Hello, welcome back to the Worthy as He podcast. I'm Chip Stewart. It's Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. And um, there, I'd like to share with you something that's that's been on my mind that came to my attention recently. And um, But before I, I get into it, um, specifically, I just want to say that I think that we as Christians need to be precise in the language that we use when it comes to spiritual things. Um, this is because as you read the Bible over and over and over again, you discover that God communicates ideas and truths to us in a certain way. And I think it behooves us to make sure that we also communicate those ideas and those truths in the same manner. Um, I fear that to do otherwise, to 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 uh, manipulate it, to twist it, to try to come up with a better way of saying it, um, that that if we were to do that, runs the risk of misinterpretation. Uh, it could turn the truth into half truths or even falsehood, um, and we could even be guilty of putting words in God's mouth. Um, in other words, saying things that He didn't say and claiming that that He did say them in Scripture. Um, it's always good to go back to the scripture itself when you're talking about something um, from the Bible and, and go actually read the scripture um, that you're talking about. But the uh, the specific area that, that I want to talk about today that's been on my mind um, is using the term um, broken uh, about people um, because really in the scriptures, I am not aware of God referring to people as being broken, um, more so about being sinful, um, but uh, but not broken. So I, I just kind of wonder why we hear that term being used in Christianity um, today. But the one I want to focus uh, primarily on or really dial in on is using the use of, of the phrase, God uses broken men. And when I hear that, I'm like, well, what exactly does that mean? You know, who exactly are broken men? Um, what what does broken mean in in regards to men? Um, and, and what I suspect is that broken is being used in place of another term. But why are we replacing it with that term? You know, there's a lot of questions about that. You know, the God that Bible doesn't say God uses broken men. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, why is this phrase being used? And um, I think, you know, in my mind, it's more accurately to say, it'd be more accurate to say something like, you know, God, God uses men. You can just say God uses men because we're all fallen, we're all sinners, um, and God is primarily going to use sinners saved by grace, those repentant sinners who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, but that really doesn't um, doesn't really come out through this um, statement, God uses broken men. But in the, in the way it was used most recently in an article I found online, uh, it concerns me because it almost seems like using it is making an excuse for the sinful behavior of um, leaders in the church, and and even potentially worse, um, covering up false teachers. 
and making excuses for false teachers and just saying, oh, well, God uses broken men um, to get out his message um, and, and, and therefore kind of nothing to see here. You know, there's no false teacher to see here. Move along. You know, all men are broken. So, you know, this person that, you know, is teaching in, is teaching errant doctrine or this person who is has fallen away or this person who is steeped in sin um, is just a broken man. It's, you know, it's not you know, not a false teacher, not someone who is, is truly an unrepentant, uh, unrepentant sinner um, who, who is not um, truly accepted Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, is following um, the Lord. And the example I'd like to share with you today is an article um, I came across online. Um, it's by a gentleman named Mike Frost. And I'm going to read the article to you. I hope you don't mind. Um, it's not very long, but um, it's entitled Seven Broken Men, and it's uh, about Lonnie Frisbee. And you probably know Lonnie Frisbee from the Jesus Revolution uh, movie most recently, or some of you may have actually been a part of that um, back uh, back when it was occurring in the uh, in the 1960s. So I'm going to share this article with you, and then I'd like to to share my thoughts um, with the use of the phrase, you know, he this whole God uses broken men, and hopefully be able to point to some scripture that will help us better understand this. Um, so I'm going to begin reading. Uh, this was published uh, by Mike Frost on November 3rd of 2016. So it's, it's been um, almost 10 years. No, it's been about eight years, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm just going to read through it. So here we go. If you liked Eric Metaxas's 2013 book, Seven Men, you're probably not going to care for my current series, Seven Broken Men, about the fragile and unlikely people God has used to glorify himself. You can find my first post in the series here. He has a link to it. But if you are up for it, put on your old Larry Norman or Keith Green records. It's time to hit the beaches of Southern California late 1960s to meet the remarkable but untimely, sorry, uh, but ultimately tragic hippie preacher Lonnie Frisbee. Maybe Lonnie Frisbee could have grown up to be a cult leader or serial killer if Jesus hadn't got a hold of him. His early life pretty much mirrored that of his contemporary and fellow Californian Charles Manson. Frisbee grew up in an unstable home where he was exposed to the dark underbelly of the 1960s California society. He was sexually assaulted as a child, introduced to drugs in his teens, and at 15, he had his first homosexual encounter, which ultimately ushered him into the Laguna Beach gay scene. School didn't take much of our priorities, so by the time he was 18 heading north to San Francisco with thousands of flower children for the Summer of Love in 1967, he could barely read and write. Lonnie Frisbee was a hippie straight out of central casting, good-looking, wide-eyed, and mystical. He talked vaguely about becoming an artist or a dancer, but he wasn't that good at either. He was a bearded, long-haired dreamer. People said he looked like Jesus. He preferred to describe himself as a nudist vegetarian hippie. He tried his hand at hypnotism and dabbled in the occult. He talked incessantly about UFOs. He was pretty much unemployable. This mattered little in California in the late 60s and early 70s. Charles Manson, Hunter S. Thompson, and the Weather Underground all managed to exist with no visible means of support, and so did Lonnie Frisbee. But things took a slightly different turn when Frisbee led a group of drug-addled friends on an LSD-fueled pilgrimage into the desert outside Palm Springs. Things couldn't, things couldn't have gotten, uh, sorry, let me back up here. Things could have got real crazy 
they did for Manson in the same desert, but for a fateful trip he took to Takitz Canyon. Frisbee started reading the Gospel of John to everyone, and before they knew he was baptized, he was baptizing his cadre of stoned hippies in the the Takitz Falls. An evangelist had been born. I apologize for my reading here. It's, it's the, the, the language being used a little, it, it's interesting. At first, the gospel according to Lonnie Frisbee included getting high, talking about flying saucers, and reading the Bible, but he soon fell in with other Christians who directed him to a more conventional path. After stints in Haint Ashbury in Novato, Frisbee landed back in Costa Mesa, where he had grown up. Here he met a young woman, got married, joined Chuck Smith's Calvary Chapel, and started to straighten up and fly right. Kind of. The thing was, Lonnie was gay and filled with the Holy Spirit. He would walk the beaches during the day, converting young people seemingly at will. Then he would bring them back to the nightly church services for lashings of groovy Christian folk music and intense Bible teaching. Afterwards, he would dispense the Holy Spirit, leaving the room looking like a battlefield, as young people hit the floor, began to shake, and speak in tongues. He was a freak, a Jesus freak, and soon he became a leading light of the so-called Jesus people, an organic movement of converted hippies, yippies, and surfers that sprang out of Calvary Chapel. He went on to exercise direct influence over people like Chuck Smith Jr., Greg Lowry, John Wimber, Mike McIntosh, Derek Prince, and Bob Mumford. In fact, whether it's the charismatic movement, the vineyard, the shepherding movement, the contemporary Christian music scene, or Calvary Chapel itself, Lonnie's fingerprints were all over it. He was no ordinary hippie anymore, but he was no ordinary Christian evangelist either. His marriage had broken down in 1973, and he had started having sexual liaisons with men again. Frisbee was tortured by it all. He was clearly touched by the hand of God, but he believed his sexuality was a sin. He would speak openly about the challenge of keeping his desires under check, but the dissonance between his beliefs, the evidence of the Spirit's presence in his life, and his sexual desires caused him overwhelming stress. He was eventually asked to not be so open in public about his struggles with same-sex attraction. Later still, he became estranged from the very movements he helped launch. He was marginalized from the Jesus people and later written out of the histories of that period of Southern Californian Christianity. He contracted AIDS in the 1990s and died in 1993. Chuck Smith, his original pastor at Calvary Chapel, preached at Lonnie's funeral and compared him to the wild, marauding brute Samson, a man used by God despite his sinfulness. Lonnie's closest friends took offense. He was no brute, they said. He was a fragile flower crushed by a church that couldn't make room for him. I'm not sure Lonnie would have seen it in that way. Today, it's, rec- it's reckoned that the Jesus Revolution of the 60s and 70s surpa- surpassed even the Great Awakening as the greatest ingathering of souls in American history. And dear, fragile, weird little Lonnie Frisbee was right there at the beginning, unremembered and unlauded, expunged from the histories of the very movements he was used by God to launch. And that ends the article. So I'm going to put the, um, the link to the article here by Mike Frost in the, in the show notes. You can go and read it for yourself. But again, the title is Seven Broken Men. Lonnie Frisbee. And, and as you can see from the article itself, I would say he's an apologist for Lonnie Frisbee. He, he believes that um, Lonnie Frisbee was an important man, um, an important Christian, and he's using him as an example that God uses broken men to, um, to do great things, if you will. But, you know, there are several things that, that concern me here um, as you read it. And it's as he started preaching and baptizing and things like that, they were 
high on LSD. Um, I, I, that was, it's very concerning. And, and then you've had Christians kind of lead him, you know, in the, in the right direction, I guess. Um, and, and then he was gay. It, it says that he was gay. Um, and, and then he, and then as he would baptize people in, uh, in, in Calvary Chapel or some of the events that they had, um, people would, let me see if I can find it here. Um, he was talking about leaving the room where people are falling down. Yep. Uh, here it is. Afterwards, he would dispense the Holy Spirit, leaving the room looking like a battlefield as young people hit the floor, began to shake and speak in tongues. Um, yes, yeah, speaking in tongues um, is is related to us in Scripture as um, a potential sign of the Holy Spirit. Some people think that um, that is no longer uh, in effect, that people don't do that anymore. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that part. I, I don't see... Uh, anything in scripture that says that that it it ended nothing that is absolutely um, certain that says it ended uh, but uh, there's other movements that that like the charismatic movement um, some aspects of it that believe that you you must demonstrate tongues um, to show that you've received the Holy Spirit and I, and I do believe that um, this this sign or this gift of speaking in tongues is is abused and faked it's um and, and here, you know, when you talk about people shaking and speaking in tongues and things like that, it, it kind of brings to mind um, what has happened in Toronto in the past, the, what some have called the Kundalini spirit from Kundalini Yoga, which is um, a, a demonic spirit that's passed to people. And, um, you know, believe it if you want, uh, but this comes out of, um, you know, the Kundalini Yoga sort of thing. There's been comparisons made between the two and the effects that this has on people. So it's not of God. So that, that's another concerning thing. And then finally, the concerning thing, uh, the most concerning is that he fell away. Um, he, it, you know, I, I believe that, you know, Christ will save you and he will keep you. Um, and, and he will keep you from that practice of sin uh, as, as a Christian. And some of you may disagree. I, I do believe we still sin. First John talks about that in chapter one. Um, we are not free of sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. And uh, as redeemed believers, um, as children of God, we can go to him and ask for his forgiveness and, and he will forgive us. So um, that, that is in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Uh, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So he will cleanse us from unrighteousness if we, if we confess our sins to him. Um, but there's a stern warning here to not walk in darkness, because if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And also within the scriptures, um, it warns us about Antichrist. And this is the big, big concern I have is when people use, you know, God uses broken men to describe people like Lonnie Frisbee and, and others. I just wonder if it is making an excuse 
uh, for that sin and them falling away and, and potentially being being false teachers. Um, I, I, we are warned um, about you know antichrists coming to the church and then false prophets and teachers. So I'm going to read from John chapter two and then um, and then uh, I think that actually may be. Hold on one second. That might be either first or second. First or second John chapter two. I want to make sure I give you all the right. Uh, the right, yep, First uh, John. So it's First John chapter 2, and starting verse 18, uh, we're warned about Antichrist. And he says here, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that, an- and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And I think this could potentially speak of the situation here with, with Lonnie Frisbee. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So it's about abiding in him and his commandments because we are are told that if we love Christ, we will obey his commandments. That's how we demonstrate our love for him. Um, So it calls into question the behavior, his behavior calls um, this into question. Um, and then Second Peter chapter 2, reading the entire chapter here, talks about false prophets and teachers, which I think is very um, informative to, to what we're looking at here, what we're examining. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift, swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented. He was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. 
They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. There are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For, speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who, who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. So as I, I was reading through you know, this article and, and the history, the, the life of, of Lonnie Frisbee, the first part about him, you know, being in the scene doing drugs as he was growing up, um, you know, being being sexual assaulted, first homosexual encounter, that didn't bother me at all because I know that God can redeem people that suffer those things, that experience those things, that commit sin, and and God can save them out of those situations. However, it's the parts where. He started his ministry high on LSD, and the people he was baptizing were on LSD at the time. And then he he fell away, as we read here at the latter part of Second Peter chapter two. He returned to his previous state. It really calls into question the validity, um, the righteousness, if you will, of of his um, his ministry. And yet we have people that say God uses broken men so to describe him. So my concern is that sometimes we use this to make excuses for the leaders in the Christian church who sin, blatantly sin, who bring in destructive heresies and things like that and just, just, just explain away like, oh, God uses um, broken men. Well... That's when you read the scriptures like this. We're warned about false teachers, and we're not to cover it over with, oh well, they're bro- just they're just broken men, um, and there's antichrist, you know, coming into the church. So we need to be vigilant, and we need to confront it. I'm not saying that we need to to look, you know, under every rock and and be be paranoid about it. But I think when there are red flags that come up, um, they they need to be addressed for um, the church leaders. Um, you approach them, and you go through the the um, the process of church discipline. You, you approach them one-on-one about it, and then if they won't repent of it, you bring someone else, another witness, um, to, to confront them. If they won't repent of it, um, then, then you bring it before the church, and if they still don't repent, then, then they're put out and uh, removed from that position. Um, and and you, we also need to look at what, what the uh, requirements are for um, elders and deacons and leaders, if you will, in the church that are, that are written in the, uh, in the New Testament and ensure that they are 
adhering to those. And even though they may um, they commit a sin and they they repent, uh, there there may be good um, reason not to allow them to return into the position. They're still Christian, they're still saved, but because of what they've done, um, they they may not be able to return to that position of leadership. And then, and that needs to be done on a case by case basis. I'm not talking that there's a general rule or anything like that, but you need to go to the scriptures and see what the scriptures say um, about the. Um, the qualities of, of elders and, and deacons and leaders leaders in the church. So I think, you know, just kind of to close this out, you know, um, Lonnie Frisbee was portrayed in the Jesus Revolution movie that came out. Clearly it came out um, after this article because um, the, the author, you know, um, talked about how um, he was um, forgotten, unremembered and unlauded. Well, he was certainly remembered and lauded in, in the film itself. Um, I don't think the film covered... Um, his later um, return to his previous condition um, before um, coming into to his ministry. Um, but I think, you know, we really, as Christians, we need to be very careful about what we see, what, what we ingest um, from Hollywood, uh, because they will put a certain spin on it. Um, they will tell half-truths, not the full truth, you know, things like that. And they're going to show us things that, that the world wants us to see. Um, so we need to be very discerning um, when it comes to that sort of stuff. And, um, and and just be very careful. Be very careful. I, I, maybe we could refer to like Christian hygiene, um, if you will. Um, but to, to avoid those worldly things that, um, that may corrupt us, uh, if you will. So, uh, in summary, uh, just to kind of close it out, yeah, uh, God uses broken men. I, I don't like that term. Um, I, I think that it can be misused to cover up um, people's sin and, and also false teachers, people who are unredeemed um, in the church. Um, I, we need to be, as, as I, as I um, described in my previous um, episode on blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's what we need to be doing. Um, from Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we, we need to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness every day. We shouldn't be wallowing in the mire of this world and, and the world system. We should be looking to God and His Son and imitating them and not imitating these things we see on the silver screen. Um, because, I, you know, like the, uh, the episode I, I did last year on the world system um, and entertainment, um, it was really more the one on, on, you know, thou shalt be entertained. You have to ask yourself, who, who is creating this content that, that we're watching? Are, are they Christians? Are they redeemed? Are they children of God? Absolutely not. Very few, very, very few are. Um, and the rest are there to make a buck, to deceive, um, and, and it's to manipulate us. It's to manipulate us to think a certain way. And, and we as Christians need to be thinking God's way. So we need to be in his Bible every day, maximize that time with his word and minimize or even eliminate time with um, the propaganda, the programming of the world system. So that's all I have to say. And um, until next time, may God bless you.